Hi guys, welcome to Bottled Up Blokes Open Up Podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you use to help us grow and help to remove the stigma around men and mental health. During this pod we discuss sensitive matters such as addictions, mental health and suicide. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Timothy, oh Timothy, oh Timothy. How are you? Benny, oh Benny, oh Benny. I am... Um, um, excited about this podcast that's coming up in the background everything else has been pretty shite as you know but yeah. i can't really go too much into that in a open forum type thing <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah things have been pretty pretty shit the last few weeks and it's all gone a bit bang this week as well so yeah but apart from that how are you you look beautiful as always thank you very much yeah just um busy i'm Last day at work uh, on Monday, rest of the week off, going to London with the kids. It'd be nice. Look forward to that. Went to group last night. We've had mm. a couple of really positive groups, a lot of people, a lot of new faces, a lot of new stories. Always good. Yep. Obviously, the more people that come, the the more chance we have of you know getting more people to speak up, which is great. I think it's probably worth mentioning that um, we had someone come to group that's had some struggles and um, you reached out to a... To Chris Kirkland, who's a ex-England goalkeeper. Yep. And he spoke to one of our group members around his challenges because they're very similar. So, Tim, you're doing some fucking sterling work, so thank you for that. That's um, all right. You know, they, you could see last night that it gave that person a boost, probably when they get most need it. Give me a boost. Fucking give me yeah. a boost, you know. To, I only asked him to do me a little message or a little video message or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, he said, oh, send me his number and I'll give him a ring. And I was like, fucking hell. That's fantastic. And he did. He said he spoke to him for about 20 minutes. Yeah, and good. The, the guy rang me up after and he's like, you know, thanks. And made, well, yeah, it was buzzing. And it, it obviously picked me up as well. Yeah, great good. that that he'd done that. So, you know, thanks, yeah. Chris Kirtland. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then before we go into the excitement of this podcast, I just want to mention that we have our first anniversary due coming up in January, January 28th yep. at the Hillcote Country Club. Tickets are priced at £20 per person. All proceeds will be going to Bottle Up Blokes, keeping the groups going, uh, paying for the cost for the insurances and the refreshments that we put on. If anybody wants a ticket, go on our Facebook or Twitter. You can find the details on there. Yep. Let us know and we can put your name down. The more people, the merrier. Yep, be really definitely. Good. And then if you just want to say what you've been up to recently. Lots, lots and lots in the background. Been. Hopefully we're going to get a partnership with local non-league football team that'd be cracking for is that i've met with the chairman we've gone through a few bits i've just sent my proposals to him yesterday and he's going to come back to me when he's back because he's away at the minute so that's that'd be massive for is that that would be brilliant yeah. you know to get in with someone like that so i think what else i've been doing ben it's just been manic you know we just obviously we've sorted this out today with this podcast yep. which i'm fucking so excited for it's a you know, personally for me, this one's, it's big, this one, it's it's close to me. You know, I've got a lot of, there's quite a lot of feelings behind this one. Not his story, yeah. but the, the person who it is. So, yeah, all good. All so, yeah, good. so without further ado, this week's guest on the podcast, Danny McNamara, uh, lead singer of the rock band Embrace, suffered his own demons, and that's the story that we're going to go into. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome to this episode of the Bottled Up Blokes podcast. Today's a, a very special one for us. We've got a guest on, uh, Danny McNamara, who is the lead singer for the rock band Embrace. I've been listening to Embrace for a long time. Uh, most recent album in 2022, followed by a tour, um, which didn't end that too too long ago, I believe. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was great. I think it's probably the best we've ever played. And um, crowds are really mental i think because we've been away for so long because of lockdown it was like a big sort of you know party really it's great atmosphere mm. i think yeah, people I have got mad for uh, interactions again yeah yeah humans fuck yeah being stood, ne- <laughs> yeah. Being stood next to somebody <laughs> <laughs> yeah sweating <laughs> yeah yeah i know a couple of my mates went to the um Rock City gig in Nottingham and said it was it were incredible and I saw yeah, photos yeah. from it. it that was looked, that was that was a particularly really... good one, but they were all mm. like you know really up there. 
Yeah. I like Rock City as a venue. It's a it's a nice oh, venue it's to listen to music. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it's a lovely venue. Yeah, the sounds always always intense as well, which is which is good. <laughs> yeah. But um, obviously, we're we're here today, Danny. We've we've seen a few bits and bobs and a few interviews done recently around your own challenges with with mental health, in particular OCD, and the and the I guess the challenge you had really getting to the bottom of what what the challenge was. Yeah. So if if we could probably just start, is you know, when did you first realise that you know something wasn't right? Well, I was I was quite young. I was um, I think it was about nineteen, um, and uh, a series of things, a handful of things, all happened to me within a, within a period of a couple of weeks. Um, we moved house. Uh, I proposed to my girlfriend. My grandma died. Um, yeah. Our old bass player's brother committed suicide, um, and and yeah, so it was just like a whole. Uh, list of things we just moved house oh, and yeah um, a lot of shit that is isn't it yeah yeah and and then um i was coming out of uh uh cinema car park in a car that i borrowed off my car, off my dad with, with my girlfriend at the time and it just stopped suddenly like the big end went on the car so it stopped like not like skidded to a halt but just like literally just stopped you know mm. um and i sort of jerked forward i think i hit my head but it, it wasn't serious because we were only going at like uh about five or ten miles an hour coming out of the cinema car park it wasn't like a, a you know it wasn't a huge accident or anything um but i was literally a minute away or 30 seconds away from the motorway because the cinema car park is joins pretty much really quickly joins the motorway so if it had happened like a minute later, I'd have been going 80 or 90 miles an hour, you know. Yeah. That, that would have been a problem. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and so I didn't think anything more of it. Like my dad came to get me because the car was dead, you know. Um, mm. And, uh, and then that night I was in bed and I was shivering and I didn't know why. I had no idea. Like it wasn't cold or anything. And I, you know, pulled up the duvet over me, turned the radiator up. I even had the jumper on, and I was still shivering, and I had no idea like what's going on. Um, yeah. And uh, I just couldn't get these like thoughts out of my head. Uh, these sort of really dark thoughts, really macabre, intrusive thoughts. Um, and I was really scared. I didn't know. I thought I was going mad or something. I didn't know, you know, what what yeah. is. Um. And then the next morning I woke up and I was fine for about five seconds and then it dawned on me and it all started again. And I was fucking terrified. Like I literally thought I was going mad. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, because I was 19 and didn't really have much life experience or, and this, remember, this is like the late eighties. So, you know, you were talking just, just off air about how, you know, you live in a little mining village and, and, and um, you know, maybe people's attitudes towards talking about their emotions and mental health might not be at the top of their list, you know. Well, you know, back in the late 80s, this was all a lot worse than it is now, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, definitely. The internet, um, you know, we didn't, uh, certainly, you know, where I was from, you know, the only, the only sort of reference to having mental problems was, you were a bit mad and you'd get locked up and put in a straitjacket. And yeah. I literally thought that if I told anyone about this, I'd get um, locked up and they'd throw away the key and I'd never see my mom and dad again. So I was like, I was terrified, you know. Mm. Um, and so I suffered for a while before I told my mom and dad. Um, and when I told them, they had no clue what to do. They're like, well, I don't know. Just, you know, you're feeling a bit yeah. down or you need a cup of tea or, you know, just no. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Have a cup of tea. That'll sort it. And so it went on for a while until I got really bad. I started having panic attacks. Um, and I was having, like, at one point, I was having, like, 15 panic attacks a day, which, wow. you know, was basically panic attack was almost my default position. Mm. You know, I'd sort of, I'd feel all right for almost long enough so that I could have another panic attack again was basically the gist of it, you know. 
feeling all right was like just set me up for feeling like shit um and uh yeah and I, so from getting up till going to bed and I'd, I'd i'd sort of i'd be asleep after eight hours just because i was so exhausted so yeah um and i was pretty much housebound you know if i left the house i was in tears you know like scared and i remember getting a yeah. bus one time and thinking god people must think i'm a real like you know no one had sit next to me on a bus, put it that way. You know, I was like a, a, a wreck. You know, yeah. Um, See, I've never um, suffered from panic attacks, but anytime I speak to anyone who has, they say it's horrendous. They say, it's, "Oh yeah, you think you're going to so die? Far, you just feel like you're going to die." Yeah, that's what everybody yeah. says. You think you're going to die? Yeah, yeah. And, and when you have your first one, you think you're going to die, and then when you have your mm. second one, you think, "Oh my god, this is my way of life now." Uh, what, yeah. uh, and then, and then. I was having panic attacks about the idea of having panic attacks. You know, I was in a real loop, you know, mm. um, which is quite common, by the way. Um, and and yeah, so I, I just at, at one point these these macabre thoughts was having just escalated and escalated and escalated until I was um, in the front room and watching the news, and me and my mum and dad and my little brother, who back then was like ten years old, um, he's ten years younger than me. And all I could see in my mind was this, um, our best player's brother who took his life by jumping off a building. Um, he had sort of made the comment like, um, you know, how do you know you're going to die when you, when you jump off a building? And um, his dad said to me, oh, you, you jump head first. And I was like, mm. oh my Christ, you know, it just like, yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> so I had this image in my head of him diving off and I was the floor and he, so it was diving off this building, coming towards me and splashing against me. And, and then that just happened over and over and over until I was waving my arms in front of my face and screaming, like, get him off me, get him off me. Like, you know, and my dad stood up and was like, I don't know what to do with this anymore. We need to get him to a doctor because I yeah. can't. We, can, we, we can't help him and he's not getting better. And, um, so my mum carried me to uh, the GP. They had like an emergency appointment, which just means they see you after six o'clock. <laughs> and this was <laughs> like, I was watching the news at quarter past six. Um, so we went, my mum carried me there, like carried me to the car and then, you know, like I was, I mean, I'm six foot two. And I weigh about 14 stone now. Uh, back then, I was, because of the illness and stuff, I was about 10 stone, you know. Wow. You know, yeah. And uh, so carrying me wasn't that hard. She couldn't fucking carry me now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the image now of you. Before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and I sat down with the doctor and the doctor said, what's the problem? And I told him, you know, and, and my fear then was that I thought I was going to be a serial killer. I just thought with all these thoughts that I was having in my head that they were the same as a serial killer. And so therefore it was only a matter of time before I succumbed to them. And I, and I was going to be one. Yeah. Um, I know it's completely ridiculous now, but at the time I was pretty much 100% convinced that it was just a matter of time. That must be a terrifying um, thought, though, in like to even oh, try man. and contend like, with. Yeah, well, I, literally, it's it was the worst thought I could have had, and that's what OCD mm. is. You know, for other people, it's something different. It might be something shameful sexually, or uh, yeah. you know, it, it it could be some disease that they're worried about getting, or you know, it's it's whatever your biggest fear is. Um, that's what comes after you, and. And what I found was I went through a series of fears until I found that one. And it, it, and, and it happened in a matter of days, you know. It started really ridiculous, something like forgetting to breathe while I'm asleep or swallowing my tongue or, uh, you know, there's a voodoo doll of me out there somewhere and someone's psychically attacking me, you know, just went down and down and down. And then, yeah. and then I'm going to get attacked by a serial killer on someone's list. And then finally, at the end, like, no, that's what I'm one of those. That's what, you know. Fuck. Mm. I was, I was I was on the phone to someone from Samaritans and it was really weird like they they picked up the phone and and the weird thing about when you phone Samaritans is they sound more depressed than you are like because it's like two o'clock in the morning 
and you phone the number and I've phoned a few times and put the phone down because I just thought, oh, you know, there's people more important out there than me or, mm. you know, you, and you do, I think, particularly as a man, you know, I know this is a podcast sort of devoted more to the male side, but I think that that is like particularly as a man, you think, man up, you know, I'll sort myself. Yeah, it's a massive, 100% that is. Women are much point. better at sort of talking about their emotions or certainly a lot mm. of women are. Um, and and so I was really reluctant. And then when he said, and he sort of picked up and he went, hello, Samaritans, can I help you? And I was like, I was almost like, are you all right, mate? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like um, I can help you. <laughs> for some reason, I expected to be, hello, Samaritans, how can I help you? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, it's just positivity <laughs> overload. And, and they don't, you know. I mean, obviously, they're trained to be like, to come at you on the level you're on, you know, and, and, and be ready for however you want to start the conversation. Because, you know, most conversations start, you know, when you, when you talk to someone, a stranger or whatever, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm all right. How are you? You know, it's pleasantries, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. probably a lot of people that ring Samaritans are in the mood for pleasantries. So they just, you know, they, <laughs> they're like, let's get straight to it. And and so I was talking to this human being, and, and one of the and one of the first things that I sort of um, I said was, you know, I'm, I'm really scared. I, I've I've been scared that someone's going to get me, and and then more recently, I'm I'm scared that I'm that person that I'm going to go and get someone. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt someone. And then I said I, I said to him, don't worry, I'm I'm not I'm not going to get you. And and, uh, and and straight away, then I was thinking, oh my god, what if I do? You know, what if I'm coming up? What if the whole reason I've rung this guy is I'm gonna, you know, it's on my list. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guys, um, just a, it's, your your mind's just—it's incredible, isn't it? It's a dangerous place at times. Yeah, yeah. It's like I was like walking because we just moved house, so there was like a lot of like exposed wire work and um, you know, like light bulbs weren't in the light bulb sockets and all that yet, because uh, it wasn't quite finished. And I just couldn't, like, I just felt compelled to, like, go and touch him, you know, to see if I'd mm. die. And, and, and um, you know, I was constantly double-checking stuff, which I know is a re- really common thing with OCD. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, well, we'll talk about that later. But So I went to the doctor, and the doctor heard me describe, you know, and he said, I've got a phobia of evil. Which I did, but a fucking you know, it's like late eighties doctor guy was in his sixties. I have no fucking clue, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, and 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 so, and he said, "We'll we'll get you to see a psychiatrist." And um, it was like there was a there, there was a communication about whether it was going to be private or on the NHS. Like we we were quite, um, I wouldn't say poor, but working class. You know, we didn't have forty yeah. quid to. To spunk up on, on on like you know some therapy you know like yeah yeah um which is what it was back then it's a lot more now um and and so we said you know like let's 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 go on the nhs and he said well it, it could take a while and i didn't have a while you know i really no. didn't you know i was like living day to day then and um my mom said no okay let's go private and there was a miscommunication there the doctor had thought put him on the nhs waiting list Whereas we thought we wait for a private thing, so a couple of months went by before anything happened, and nothing. And I, I just, I just got worse and worse. The, the sort okay. of the idea that I had a phobia of evil helped for about two hours, and then, <laughs> you know, and then, I, and then I was back to square one the next morning, and and yeah, that, and that, and that's when it got really bad. Um, the the macabre thoughts sort of became like mathematical equations and layers of macabre thoughts. So there was no escaping it. And and I'd sort of externalized it into this voice, um, which ironically was probably what I am now as a sort of 50-year-old man. I imagined myself um, in my 50s, sort of with all the confidence and knowledge of me as a person coming back through time after me and destroying me with all this new information, you know, all this because I was an unconfident 19 year old yeah I just imagined what you know what it'd be like to have someone who had who knew exactly what they were doing coming after me mm. and and so in my head I had this coming after me like a sort of demon and I'd wake up in the morning and uh feel all right for a few seconds and then he, this guy would just sort of say morning and I'd be like oh fuck he's here again and, he's and back. just saying all the most awful things that I could think of, but it felt external. It felt like it yeah. 
it felt like I was running away from something rather than myself. It felt external. And and so anyway, eventually I got to see um, a psychiatrist and uh, he, it was private, um, and but I'd waited two months by then. So I'd almost, I almost could have gone on the NHS back then. I mean, I know now the waiting list can be longer, but yeah, uh, yeah. massive. Yeah. Um, but back then it was about three months. Um, mm. And um, that's a long there, time where you're th- in your own head, in it. That oh, is mate, when you yeah. you're crying out <laughs> to help. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> and um, uh, so I went there, and he had he had this quite big house on the outskirts of Buddhistfield, uh, sort of detached in its own grounds, big stone driveway, you know, crushed stone driveway, and all that turning circle, all that sort of vibe. At least that's how I remember it. <laughs> um, and got dropped off. My girlfriend at the time dropped me off in the car. Um, and just as I got there, I just thought, I just felt like this guy's in danger giving me his own address. I could murder him and his kids in their sleep, you know. And um, I saw them through the window at the dinner table. And just immediately in my head were thoughts of, like, you know, what I could do and what I was going to do. And mm. and so when he opened the door, first thing I said to him, I said, you're really brave giving me your home address. Don't you know what I'm capable of? <laughs> and he he said he sort of laughed and said, "I'm sure <laughs> me and my family will be quite fine coming, Danny." And yeah. so, just hearing it said out loud, what I'd said, I could sort of, I could mentally process the ridiculousness of the situation, yeah. and I sort of felt a little bit better. I guess his response as well, how he. Well, dealt yeah, with it. you know, he's, he's he's seen, you know, he was the head of um, of, of psychology at Huddersfield. Uh, university so he's like you know uh, sorry it's St. Luke's and and he's like seen god knows loads of people who've, who've been through trauma and, and stuff and um and so I knew that he was completely safe but I had you know I from my perspective I thought this guy's you know it's really brave he really puts himself <laughs> out there, <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> and so he led me upstairs into this little room and um and he, uh, and I said to him uh, right at the start of the meeting I said my mum says you know, I know it's 40 quid an hour, but my mum says, if you can make me better in 15 minutes, can we just pay like a tenner for that, for that first 15 minutes? And and he, and he was like, just sit down. Let's see how we get on it. You know, I'm yeah. sure fine. Little did I know it was going to be years of therapy before I was all right. He's going to say this thing in 10 minutes. Yeah. Really. Not, not quite 15 <laughs> minutes, that, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he just he just talked to me. I talked to him about everything I've been thinking and feeling. And uh, I remember saying, um, "Are you sure you want to know what's in my head? Because I don't want to scare you. You know, like mm. it, these thoughts are really alarming." And he said, oh, "I've I've heard quite a lot in my time. I'm sure I'll be fine." You know, um, and, and and so as I, I described everything, and 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 he talked to me, and and he gave me a lot of real tools. You know. Um, He's one of the things that he said that really cut through to me was like, so you think you're going to hurt someone. Um, this is really common with young mothers who, you know, like young teenage mothers, particularly who, who have those sort of thoughts towards their young child. And yeah. immediately they think, oh, no, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to become a killer. And so they start doing what you're doing, which is double checking things and, and worrying about obsessing over certain things and yeah and so he described what i was doing um but he also described other people who'd been through the same thing and he said do you find yourself avoiding knives or a scarf draped over a chair yeah and i was like a scarf draped over a chair i'd never thought of that i'd never thought yeah. um you know yeah you could strangle someone with that but then it, it what it made me think was yeah I, I feel really scared of avoiding knives and stuff, but imagine how much worse these scarf avoiders must be. Scarf avoiders. You know? So so then it, that sort of gave me comfort. It's like he's seen people who are worse than me and he's made them feel better. So there yeah. was like there was like he was coming at me sort of almost from every angle. It's like he was telling me what I was thinking, which I, I thought was deep and dark and personal and private, but it turns out it's textbook. <laughs> yeah. And he was saying, 
you know, what I was doing that I could maybe not do anymore. So stop fighting your thoughts, just have them. You know, what's the worst a thought can do? Just have it. So yeah. don't dwell on it or try and make it worse, but just have it, you know, and, and let it pass, you know. Um, Interesting we, concept, that, isn't it, as a, as, a, as a thought, because I guess <clears throat> your natural desire or, or want is to, st- is to just stop thinking yeah. it to get to get rid of it as quickly as possible so for someone yeah. to say well actually just have just let it let it be yeah yeah it's an interesting concept so, that you would never so think what, yourself. What, what came then was this sort of demon if you like in my head this sort of older man or whatever in my head it was like what it was originally was like me versus me which is an arm wrestle you know you can't win yeah. um but now it was like me versus me and my therapist so it was like the the, the it sort of yeah. helped, you know, that there's the, the balance. Yeah, to more in your favour. Yeah, exactly. And he was just basically, the, the words that he'd given me in therapy were just working overtime. He said, like, if he'd got, like, a quid for every hour that he'd worked in someone's mind. He's living rent-free in my head, basically, you know. <laughs> <laughs> A better way of putting it, living fee-free in my head. So, like, we should get some sort of royalty rate or whatever, which I thought was quite funny. Um and, and yeah, I started getting better. It took a while though, you know, like I was I was sort of over the worst of it within a few months. And then I would say sort of well again with the odd repercussion within about three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really rare. I know um, also what, what I should say as well is that I wasn't diagnosed with OCD. Like they didn't have a clue what it was really back then. You know, there certainly wasn't pure O, which is what this, which is what this was, you know. Um, and so he just said I had an anxiety disorder and I asked him if I had post-traumatic stress disorder and he said well yes you do but let's not put labels on it it's not helpful to put labels on things that was his philosophy anyway yeah um, yeah and he said but you know we, we, we'll treat you for the anxiety and and the things that he said to me worked so I'm not saying that he didn't know what he was doing but it just it didn't have the same level of you know knowledge and information about OCD that we have now and it actually wasn't until I saw a tv show called Pure um which is about Pure O um the 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 woman who wrote that had more the sort of the sexual disgust element Mm. of it which I which fortunately I didn't have um Probably because, you know, back then I, I didn't really have much sex. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't like a big, you know, priority. But um, yeah, and and uh, I saw that. And, I, and one particular scene in there where she goes to a library and, and picks up a book and, it, and, and, and in there is information that says that she's not going mad. She's not going to die. She's just got this diagnosable thing and... And 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 I actually, you know, it made me fill up read watching that because that's exactly how I felt when I, when I found out that actually no, you know, I'm not on my own. I'm not going mad. I'm not going to get locked up. You know, yeah. And and, and never better see my mum and dad again. Um, I've I've just got a problem uh, uh, that's treatable. And, and 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 yeah. And and so so that was recently. That was probably you know five or six years ago. Uh, I've, yeah. I've been sort of saying I had PTSD, um, and I did. It was it was a, a disorder brought on by trauma, but the but the disorder that was brought on was OCD. So you know, yeah. um, and that's how I understand it now. You know, and and that really helps because there's a lot of people out there who've who've got or had OCD, who you can talk to, who will who completely understand everything that you're saying. You know, and um, unfortunately for a lot of people um OCD is not completely curable you know that a lot of people have to learn to live with it and and um you know um I don't know why mine got better I I have like maybe like one or two days a year now where some of the same feelings come back but I know what to do I've got the tools to yeah I think maybe because I caught it early enough um yeah and it was cute enough it was really bad because I was I was at a I was at a weird age and and so almost the fact that it was so bad meant I'd, I was able to sort of contain it as a thing and get rid of it. Whereas for a lot of people, it sort of creeps up on them and almost becomes part of their bones, you know, it's part yeah. of the woodwork. And Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 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 and with regards to like getting help, I would, I would always say like talk to someone, you know, just talk to someone. 
talk to a friend, talk to a stranger, ring Samaritans, they're fucking great, you know. Yeah. Um, um, or, or even like online, if you're too shy to talk, they have like chat online and texts and stuff. And yeah. Um, and just doing that, hopefully, you know, you'll you'll then get you'll then realize that you know you're not gonna get harmed through talking to someone, you're not gonna be humiliated, you know. And then you'll be able to talk more and and then hopefully that will at some point lead to you getting help. And yeah, and and not everyone not every therapist is great for every person, you know. I, I know people who've been to therapy and not had a good experience, you know, it's been it's been disappointing. Um but all I would say is that it's you know, one person could go see that guy and think that they're the best person in the world. Another person yeah. could go see the same person and think, oh, they're useless, you know. Yeah. Everyone's different, but and I know like when you go and see someone, you you pin all your hopes on them being your savior and, and you, you know, you're gonna feel and then if you don't, it had the crushing disappointment added to your mm. illness is the last thing you need, you know. <laughs> but it really is a case of, you know, just be brave and and build up to it and, and just keep trying until you find someone where you come out of there and you've got hope. Yeah. And and it's really worth it. It's worth waiting if you can't afford. You know, the NHS, it's worth waiting. If yep. you can't afford, you know, I know at, at, at the moment it's really difficult for a lot of people, but, um, you know, go without, you know, go without uh, going out, you know, like it's, yeah. it's it yeah. really will Prioritize your health, yeah. A lot of companies now as well have, um, I know mine and Tim's will have EAP where you can actually get counselling through work, so it is private and you don't have to pay for it. So some companies pay for that, so it's always worth, you know, speaking to your employer to see if, if that if that's an option for you. I know Tim's doing it as we speak at the moment. Looking, yeah, looking I've, at done that. It, I've done it twice previously and I'm literally, this afternoon, I'm going to talk to him again about trying to get yeah. some counselling sessions for myself, sort a bit of stuff that I've yeah. got going off in background. So like yeah. you say, it's it's massively, massively important. And yeah. luckily, like these days, there's a lot more out there than there was back when you yeah, were online, really yeah, struggling. There's, there's so much stuff, yeah. Yeah. But support groups, like, you know, and, and you don't have to pay for them and you don't have a waiting list for them. You can just go along and yeah. just speaking to somebody who's going through the same thing. I mean, ironically for me, it was like, I, I really didn't want to speak to someone who thought that they were a serial killer. You know, I don't want to get like a gang of serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking last thing I need. Yeah. Um, obviously, looking at that now, that's ridiculous because mm. the fear of being one definitely is kind of precludes you from being one, really. I, don't, I, I have looked into it and there aren't really any serial killers who were scared of being one. <laughs> you know, they just, <laughs> oh, yeah, they just cracked on with it. Right? Someone who's tormented by his thoughts to the extent that he, he just couldn't help but do it, and so mm. there was a sort of a way that I could conceptualise that, yeah, that might happen. But even those people that do have, you know, like the, the, the archetypal sit me by the window and they've got their mother in their head and they can't get their mother out of their head, and <laughs> yeah. you know, even they don't have the thoughts that I was having, which was fighting those thoughts all day. They tend to. The, the sort of thing that serial killers think is completely separate from what a 19-year-old would imagine from watching a bit of telly, what a serial killer would think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I write for TV now, so um, I completely know the difference between, you know, and I'm, I'm also writing a, a, a TV thing about this. Um, mm. And oh, uh, Yeah, and, and um, so so the difference between what a serial killer really thinks and what a, a teenage boy might imagine conceptualize that might be are so far apart it's, it's yeah sorry for interrupting this podcast i just wanted to take this moment to say thanks to our sponsor amber secure amber secure can do your intruder alarm cctv access control any landlord testing security lighting generally any electrical works that you need around your house amber secure can do if you go on their Facebook page, just search Amber Secure. The contact details are all on there, or you can go on the website, ambersecure.co.uk, and there's a contact form on there where you can get in touch with Matt at Amber Secure. Basically, I just want to say thank you to Matt from Amber Secure because without his sponsorship, we wouldn't be able to do our weekly groups, wouldn't be able to afford to keep going with them because of the venue costs and that kind of stuff and his support has been absolutely fantastic i know that he wanted to be part of this he wanted to help and it's huge it's huge for bottled up bloke so big thanks to amber secure 
and I'll leave you with the rest of this podcast. Those, those thoughts, just to, just me sitting here thinking about how you would even compute that as a, yeah, as, as a nineteen-year-old bloke, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a wild time in your life in general to be, you know, coming out at your late teens and to, to, to not be in control of your and your mind and to be having those thoughts in a time where actually people didn't like if, if we think people didn't talk now in the fucking late eighties, nobody talked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so the, 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 I think it's your journey through to getting help is um it is good in the sense of I wonder how many people wouldn't have got help in that, you know, in that in that time. Yeah. Well literally my mum my mum carried me to the doctors and and that was the beginning of that, you know. It, you know, every everyone's different. You know, some people don't have a mum who would do that. You know, yeah. Um, all all I would say is, you know, just something that I've always found good advice is like, what would you say to a friend if they came to you with this problem? Yeah. And then just say that to yourself because quite often we give great advice to other people, or you know, we've got <laughs> everybody else's life like that. You know, but our own, it's like. It's like painters and painter and decorators. Their house always needs fucking decorating. You know? yeah. <laughs> and everyone else is pristine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I think a lot of us, are, 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 you know, are good at giving other people advice, but not really good at listening to our own, you know. And and so I would just do that, you know. If a friend came to you and they were saying, "I've got this problem or that problem," you know, whether it's depression or or PTSD or you know whatever it is, what would you say to them? And, and you know, the likelihood is it wouldn't be sit at home, bottle it up and, you know, do on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know go I mean? talk to someone now. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you that, think that... no one's going to be able to help you. You know, you think no one's going to know, no one's going to really understand and it's just going to be humiliating and, you know, you might go to someone and try and talk about it and they really might not have time for it, you know. They, and so there's the embarrassment of that and you don't want to be that person that, that's always whining on about it out you know this that or the other you know like that's that's just the general thing and so i i understand all those feelings but even all, all that aside you still have to fucking do it mate that's just yeah. you just gotta do it yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way that you start to feel like there's hope and that you might get better and um you know so like this you know like this podcast about men and it's like men are the worst people in the world at getting help for themselves yeah and you know, it's like you can't help your family or your wife or, or, or girlfriend or whatever it is if you're not all right yourself. Mm. So it's like, you know, when you're on a plane, they say when the oxygen drops down, put the fucking oxygen mask over your face first. Even if yeah. you've got a young child. Yeah. You know, even if I can't imagine, I just cannot imagine, like, you know, my, my daughter Kate was there and the oxygen mask came down. I would just immediately make sure hers was on mm. before I did anything. Yeah. You know, you just would. But they say, fucking don't do that because, yeah. you know, pretty quickly, you're not going to be able to help your kid either. And we mm. won't better help you because there's a hundred other people all fucking up like you. Around, yeah. You know, so you've almost got to do it for, for the people you care about, if yeah. nothing else. You know, if you, if you can't work up the head of steam to do it for yourself because you put yourself last, do it for those you care about because yeah. they need you to be healthy. You know, they need you. all right. We've had a guy come to group. Um, so we, we do a talking group on a Thursday night um, in, our, in our local area. And it's basically just a safe space to come, you know, vent or get, get your shit out of there. Half the time we are just chatting bollocks and it's, it's a bit of a laugh, but, you know, people do get their, um, the serious side out. And um, the, yeah. the guy that came, you know, he's been having a, you know, a really, really rough ride. And he said, I just feel like no, no one cared or no one would care. And then he comes and sits in a room with 10 strangers and realises that actually lots of fucking people care that you're still here. Lots of people want you still here. Um, And, you know, it's and what what you said about, you know, what the the reason we focus on men, obviously we're we're blokes, but the male suicide rate was 15.8 men per 100,000 headcount. And in in female, it's 5.5. So you're three times more likely as a man to take your own life than than you are if you're a female. And I think a lot of it stems back to what, some of the stuff that, that you've touched on where you said you know initially you thought you know what why why am i feeling like this what you know is, is my problem even valid is people worse off than me and we hear that all the time but it, yeah. i was i was the worst for you know why yeah. you know I've, I've got nothing actually to be that concerned about you know yeah, yeah. well, well with me always... it was like my accident that i had was really minor 
And there are mm. people who have car accidents and come back from war zones and, you know, stuff all the time. And like, so I was like, imagine what those people must be like, you know? Yeah. And it almost invalidates your own challenge, doesn't it? Then yeah, exactly. in, in, in your own mind. Which is why it's really important for me to say, which is something that I was reluctant to say in the beginning when I started talking about this, that what happened to me on the outside was really small because it can be really small. Yeah. You know, and then, but then what it led to was as awful as any, anything I can, Im I can't imagine experiencing anything worse. And that's literally what OCD is. It's, yeah. it's however bad your imagination can get, comes at you all day, every day until you can't take it anymore. You know, I mean, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that we say is basically it don't matter if you're feeling a little bit shitty or you are suicidal. It matters. Yeah. Everything in between that is important yeah. and matters and just talk. Talk yeah, because you like can go from anyone. feeling a little bit shitty to feeling suicidal in seconds. Yeah, you know? it's it's yep. it's not something to dabble with. You know, it's not. No. You have. I think you have to take it seriously and, and yeah. take care of yourself. Um, one thing I wanted to say about that that um, that suicide rate, uh, which is absolutely right and really important, but something um, that that it's used by right wing pundits as a way of saying that men have a harder life than women. It's like, it's, that's really backwards. It's not yeah, that. Yeah. It's not that they have a harder life. It's that they, that they don't talk about their feelings. As yeah, far as 100%. Yeah. You know, women women have lives just every bit as hard as men do, you know. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, but but like, they don't, they, they process and talk about their feelings generally, generally better than men do. And yeah, that's better. And so if men start doing that, then that suicide rate up will come down you know and yeah. it's all about that it's not about you know who's got it worse <laughs> the world will say you know men's suicide rate at this age is eight times more and and therefore yeah. you know yeah. women you know I mean, you know what i mean it's like no yeah. man, no that's not it you know <laughs> no when you look at it from a psychological more. standpoint, they yeah they, they they say so when when you take it away from the media if you like and look at it from a you know <clears throat> an actual like uh, academics and the literature around that kind of thing is when a man decides um he can't take no more he in the main will take that that decision yeah, to yeah, to go through with it likely, where through with it, whereas with women it's much more likely to be a cry for help yeah they yeah. try to commit suicide a lot more often they're just not as successful and men will follow men will follow through they're sort of more definite about it yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, it's it's just a big it's just a massive massive challenge and i'm happy that the the female suicide rates as low as no, it'd be fantastic if it was zero but you know the the, the men one it, it needs to come down it's 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 far too high and, and it's all it is all just about talking it's yeah. all just about communicating your feelings and and for and for um ironically you know if you're again looking at john peterson the traditional male feelings you know why that's a bad thing because it's like we need to get to a place where men are comfortable about talking about their feelings. And yeah. while someone like, you know, John Peterson would probably say something like, um, you know, it's traditional for men to be the strong one and it's traditional for, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, there's, there's, there's worth in that. But in this instance, the progression of men has been to, to communicate more about their feelings. And we, I, I, am, I want to be at the front of that arrow and, and encourage yeah. them to be more because it doesn't mean you're less manly. You know, it, it, it ironically like it it's takes really more bollocks. Brave. Yeah. yeah, it's balls to do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, especially if you're a man, because there's all the stigma attached to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I remember that there was a there was a thing um, a, a month or so ago. Paddy Pimlet, um, the the yeah. Yeah. fighter, you know, the UFC fighter, he went on mic about his admitted committed suicide and. Um, and he was saying in that room to all these, you know, big burly testosterone blokes who've come to see a fight, you know, talk about your feelings. And I just think that is so powerful to do that, yeah. you know, because that is, you know, mm. and, and he silenced that room with those words because everyone, yeah. Yeah. they're not going through it themselves. And a lot of people are in, in silence. They're not someone who is, you know. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it's so powerful that and, and me you know for, with my smaller platform you know as a singer in a band just if 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 as a 19 year old i'd been able to see someone online who who'd had exactly the same feelings as me and who gave this advice i wouldn't have suffered for as long as i did you yeah. know and so i i just really want you know anyone who's watching this you know i in my, I, in my head i imagine someone's 
had some fucking terrifying thoughts and doesn't know what to do. They've gone online and they've looked it up and then then they've come across your podcast and they're, they're now listening and it's like, and all I would say to that person is just talk to someone. Yeah. You know, just fucking write to them. Write to yourself. Talk to yourself to start with. Get it mm. all straight, you know. Baby steps, but eventually get help and because it's out there, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and that's the that's the biggest challenge. I think um, what, what he said about Paddy Pimblett, he, he made a really poignant comment when he said that, and he said something along the lines, but it won't be verbatim. But he said, um, "I'd rather a mate cry on my shoulder than me attend his funeral," and it's yeah, such a such a valid it. point. That's exactly it. Yeah. And we're the same, you know. We've got we've got a Facebook group. We've got we're on Twitter. Reach out to us. You know, we're we're not professionals. We're not we're not trained in 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 mental health, but we can listen and we can signpost people in the. Yeah, you know, yeah. into into a direction where you can make a phone call, you can get help, or you know, don't don't suffer alone. That's the kind of the thing yeah. that is that is most key because too many people do it, and that's why so many people in this yeah. country end up taking their own lives because they feel like they've got nowhere to turn to. And actually, that's why that, that is exactly why that suicide rate is higher for men than women is because because women reach out and men don't. Yeah. And so mm. That's, that is that you know probably I mean you know I'm not an expert but probably if men were as likely to talk about their feelings and as likely to reach out as women are, that suicide rate would probably be about the same you know yeah and and so let's fucking work on that let's get that let's get it down you know absolutely 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 thank you for that Dan I think if we can just finish up with it with a couple of things I think what one thing that we've done on this podcast as well is is discuss the importance of music to to, to both of us. And I'd just like to know what your uh, what your go to is, what your go to is to oh, turn on the um, to have a listen. I've got, I've got a few. Um, Carol King is a really good one for me. Her album, like she wrote a lot of the massive Motown hits. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, say a little prayer and, and stuff like that. And um, well, belting song. Yeah, but her obviously the Aretha Franklin is the definitive version, but her version. Um, has its own beauty as well, you know. It's like it—it it, it almost feels like your mum singing it to you. you yeah. And, and and so the her album Carol King Tapestry, um, mm. it's just beautiful, you know. And I and I will stick that on if I need like to, you know, warm blanket if you like. Yeah. Um, another good one mm. is Karen Carpenter. My mum used to sing close to you to me when I was a kid. Yeah, and so sort of almost like a lullaby, and so yeah, why not? I'll I'll stick that on, and it'll remind me of that to take me back to that time. But I was quite a scared little kid when I was when I was a toddler. Uh, one of the one of the first things I ever said when I was a kid after mummy and daddy was it's dark, you know. And uh, and and so my mum, I was pretty needy, and and my mum <laughs> would come in and sing me asleep, and 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 she'd often pick that song. Um, yeah, and she's got a really beautiful voice, my mum. Um, not unlike uh, Karen Carpenter's voice, mm. which is you know, a fantastic voice, and uh, yeah, so that so but both of those are, are, are really good ones. And then maybe um, Sly and the Family Stone, everybody is a star. The ridiculousness of that uh, it, in the middle of the song, they go like, bah, 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 and it's just like silly, <laughs> almost like muppetness of it. <laughs> um, it. Just always brings a smile to my face. And that, and that, you know, always for me, like whenever we, the highest thing that we're aiming for when we're when we're trying to create something, is to make people feel like they're not alone, and you know, you want you want that to be coming out of the speakers when they're listening to your song. Yeah. And um, that song, everybody's a star, just gives me that feeling in spades. You know, it's like you're not alone. There's other people out there, and they're all suffering the same sort of yeah. shit as you. A lot of them, and you know. Yeah. Well, our, our second podcast episode was about basically music and the, the feelings that it makes you feel. And one of the reasons we've got you on is my go-to song is Ashes by you All guys. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At that point, yeah. I was going through, a, I'd just gone through a really bad breakup. I only, I think I was 18 at the time. Right, and yeah. that was all over the music channels. It literally, I'd be skipping through, finding, waiting for it. So right, that song right. for me still now is absolutely huge. So thank you for that. Massively, well, massively that's, that's big great. thank it you. It was a fucking hard one to write that, so I'm glad, <laughs> I, I'm glad I stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I finally got to see it. I saw you in um, at Halifax, you know, when you did the boxing all right, yeah, in 2013, the uh, where we did the throw in the paint and that kind of stuff. All right, all the, the, the um, 
Yeah, okay, yeah, the boxing club thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the first great. time I got yeah. to see you guys. My yeah, missus was... were pregnant at the time, we're our old, eldest. And it was just that feeling from getting you getting to see you sing that song was absolutely amazing. Literally like emotional. And just, it was fantastic. Yeah. You know, so well, that's why I do it. Me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think you explained it really well when you said um around Carol King how that feels like a warm blanket and yeah. that's that's what music has the uh the yeah. ability to do to, to people yeah. well danny thank you very much for sharing your story it's been, i think it's a really really important story and and you know our, our kind of motto is if it can resonate with one person and lead to one person extra in the world getting help and and, and not having these thoughts and feelings and then feeling like they're alone uh, you know yeah. it, it'll be the best but really appreciate you taking time out of your day oh my um, pleasure my pleasure and That's i hope everything goes well and uh, look forward to uh to the next tour great yeah cool <laughs> nice one, Danny. Thanks Cheers, very buddy. much, mate. All right. Thanks very much. I'll see you thanks soon. Well. Cheers, bye, mate. Bye-bye. Wow. Just um, what a Whoa. what a story. Yeah. What a, ju- what a journey in a time where mental health definitely wasn't spoken about in the late 80s. Um, no, different world then, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really nice guy. Really enjoyed having him on. Hopefully that story can sit or resonate with with people that listen and it's great that he pushed as well the um the importance of talking and and finding other groups about and you know like groups like ours and like saying about samaritans and i like what he said about the the therapy as well your different therapists that some won't work for you and some will be great for you and some won't yeah but i kind of think that maybe samaritans is a bit like that because we're we're very mixed things about samaritans don't we and I think yeah. it's probably a similar thing with that, whereas you you don't know what you're going to get, but it's better to have somebody than no one. Yeah. You know, just talk to anybody. So I like that you pushed that. I really did. Yeah, me too. Re- really good. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys listening to it as much as I enjoyed sitting on and recording it. And um, for anyone that's not um, heard some tunes by Embrace, get on, get on all the uh, the music plays, have a listen, because there's some absolute cracking yeah. tunes they do. Uh, obviously, you mentioned your favorite source one of mine I like gravity as well great tunes so yeah just thank you to for danny for taking time out of his schedule to uh to have a chat with after they've just you know a few weeks ago they've just finished their uh their most recent tour yeah really good really good as always talking group on a thursday night uh, at south Northampton church hall all <laughs> men are welcome any age shape or size come down cup of coffee cup of tea been chocolates the last couple of weeks i don't know how long that yeah, they has, all, it's been a, it's yeah. been an exciting addition <laughs> got the got the, uh, got the facebook group got twitter got the website so don't feel alone guys there's always somebody hit us up yep definitely nice one mate cheers i'll catch I you enjoyed soon. that love you mate bye love you bye